0: Thank you, band. Let me ask you a question. What are you afraid of? What are, what are your fears, your, uh, your deep-seated fears, things that you've struggled with for, for some time? My, uh, my little five-year-old daughter, Morgan, is uh, deathly afraid of tornadoes, which I think is a logical fear. Um, I'm not sure what we did to influence this fear in her, but uh, I remember um, I was on a trip. Um, I think it was my, my Israel trip earlier this year, and, and there were some really bad tornadoes and storms that came through this area. And uh, I got this story later when I got home that the tornado sirens went off, and so the, my wife grabbed Ethan, my eight-year-old, and Morgan, my five-year-old, and, and took them down into the storage room down in the basement. No windows, you know, all that good stuff, a place to be. Made it all nice and cushiony. Well, about half hour into being in the room, uh, my son Ethan needed to go to the bathroom and uh, desperately, and so he, he started to head towards the door, and my little five-year-old blocked the door, like would not let him out, like was tackling him, screaming at him, you can't go out there, we'll die, we'll all die, there's a tornado. And my my wife had to literally peel her off of him so that he could go to the bathroom. And I don't know exactly what happened that got her this deathly afraid of tornadoes, but we don't even use the word in our house, we just say the T word. And of course, she's smart, so she goes, tornadoes? I was like, is there a tornado coming? I'm like, no, 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 we're just talking about tornadoes, you know? And, of course, we watch the Weather Channel. And so after this, Karen's watching Storm Chasers and all this, which I don't know why she chose to watch that. And Morgan's like... Why are we watching Storm Chasers? It's all about tornadoes. Um, I remember this Thanksgiving, as I said, my family came in. And so I was reminded of a story uh, with my younger sister. My younger sister, when we were kids, was deathly afraid of the monster under the bed. And, and I could see why, because her bed was, like, really tall. I mean, there was just a lot of room for a monster to be under the bed. And uh, so I, I forget how old I was, but um, she had just announced to the family that she was over, finally, the fear of the monster under the bed. So I took it upon myself to restore that fear. And I remember hiding under her bed for about a half hour waiting for her to come to bed one night. And I'm laying there, I'm just waiting, and she comes in and turns the light on and she changes into her pajamas. And she just, you know, she used to like run and jump from halfway across the room onto the bed because the monster in the bed. So she just, you know, she's over the fear. And so she walked right up to the edge of the bed. And I just go, wham, grab her legs. She screams, goes running downstairs to mom and dad. I sprint to my room, get under my cover because I'm supposed to be in bed asleep. Dad comes in, says, Chris, you're grounded for two weeks. I said, okay. (laughs) I'm not going to argue. That was awesome. Oh, my gosh. The things we do to our family. My fears. I, I have two fears. As I started thinking about this this week, I have two fears. I'm afraid of heights. Um, I've always been afraid of heights, but I'm not like gut-level terror, deathly afraid of heights. I have I have a healthy respect uh, for heights. Um, I I'm not, I'm not afraid to go to the edge. But every time I go to the edge, my gut just sinks. Like, I, I imagine what it would be like to fall off the edge. And, uh, you know, so I, I try to do things to conquer this fear. So I go rappelling and rock climbing. And I climbed a 14,000 foot mountain last year. And, and I remember being at the top of that mountain. And, and there's like snow all over the top of this mountain. You're not really sure what you're standing on. And these two girls had hiked up as well. And, and we volunteered to take a picture for them so they have a picture of them together. And they just like walked right back up to the edge. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Move away from the edge a little bit, you know. Uh, I I, just, I have this healthy respect, and, and so um, this next May I'm going to go to the Grand Canyon. I'm going to do a rim to rim hike on the Grand Canyon, and and just another attempt to try and get over this fear. Um, of, it's just a healthy respect. Now I do have, and, and, and this is a little strange, and, and I can't really explain it, um, but I do have this this gut level fear, um, honestly, of of getting old. Um, I I don't like nursing homes. Um, I don't like going nursing homes because it reminds me of my own mortality. Um, because I know there will be a day where I can't do some of the things that I would love to do, where I'm going to be dependent on other people. And that one hits me hard. Um, like I can even read books and they talk about people in the nursing homes and, and I just, I, I get sick in my stomach. I mean, it's just, honestly, it is just a fear that I have and I can't explain it. I don't know where it came from. Um, but it's, it's something that I'm afraid of. What are you afraid of? What, what are some of your personal fears? Um, I, I used Facebook to do an informal poll of my, my friends on Facebook. And I, I just asked this question, what are you afraid of? And there were the, the normal common fears. You know, people said uh, things like, like, I'm afraid of a loved one dying. I'm afraid of dying myself or the process of dying. I'm, I'm afraid of, of public speaking. I'm afraid of, of cats. Somebody said they're afraid of cats. Um, the, the strangest one that I saw, the most unique fear, and it's a church member here, she won't uh, be in, uh, named, um, but I didn't really understand this, so I went back, I'm like, is this a joke? Are you serious that you're afraid of this, or is this like, you know, just you kidding around? She's afraid of armored trucks. I was like, armored trucks? Really? And I'm like, are you being serious? She's like, yeah. She goes, those things are just, just waiting to be robbed. And she's like, if I pull into a store and I see an armored truck, I will go out of the parking lot and go to another store and come back another day. She's like, I just don't want to be around armored trucks. And I'm like, all right. So we, we all have these unique fears. But have you ever thought about being afraid of God? Has, has that thought ever entered your mind that you would need to be afraid of God? You see, I was introduced to this concept uh, in Scripture early in my Christian walk. There's this thing called the fear of God uh, that we see all throughout the Old Testament, even into the New Testament. Uh, I just want to give you some real quick verses here as, as we talk about this this morning. Deuteronomy 10, 12 says, And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God? Psalm 33, 8, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. Psalm one eleven ten. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. Proverbs one seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs nine ten. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Which I love. Ecclesiastes. Solomon goes on this, this philosophical pursuit to find the meaning of life. And in in chapter twelve he sums it up. He says this in chapter twelve verse thirteen. Now all has been heard. I, I've looked at everything in the world. I've experienced everything. He says. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is a duty of all mankind. <clears throat> and then we jump into New Testament, Acts 9.31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. And then finally, First Peter 2.17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Fear fear god what what in the world are they talking about when i was first introduced to this years ago in my christian walk it was explained to me and and i think well done that fear of god is a reverential awe it is a respect for who god is it is recognizing who he is and who we are not and it's just bowing down before him and saying god you are god and and i'm not and i think that's true but i think that's only part of the part of the equation I think there's more to this concept of, of fearing God. Uh, you see, if you go into the original languages, uh, the words that are used in Hebrew for the word honor is the Hebrew word kabad. It means to show honor. Do we have that slide? I think so. There we go. It means to show honor. And yet in these passages where it talks about the fear of the Lord, a different Hebrew word is used. And it's urah, which means two things, fear and terror. And then secondly, respect, reverence, and piety. And, and so that respect, reverence, and piety, I got that. I, that was explained to me years ago. But I didn't really think we were supposed to be terrified of God. Uh, in the New Testament, in the Greek, uh, we see the word timei, uh, which means to show honor and respect. And so we would expect that, that if fear, to fear the Lord, means that we're just to show respect and honor, then we would think that Time is the word that's used in the, in the New Testament. But it's not. The Greek word phobos is used from which we get our word phobia, which has three definitions, to put to flight by terrifying, to be struck with fear, to be seized with alarm, and then lastly, to treat with deference or reverential obedience. So does this mean that we're supposed to be terrified of our God? Yeah, it does. This is the tension that we live in, you see, any time we look in the, in the Bible, when people came face-to-face with God, they were terrified. Moses asked one time, he said, God, let me see your glory in Exodus 33. And God says, no man may see me and live. No man can come face-to-face with me and survive that experience. Isaiah, uh, God presents himself to Isaiah. And Isaiah falls down before God and cries out, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm from an unclean people. He was terrified in the presence of God. Uh, Peter, James, and John, uh, Jesus takes them up on a hill, and and Jesus is transfigured before them, and, and God speaks. And at the voice of God, Peter, James, and John fall down terrified because they've been in the presence of God. And we see John in Revelation when he meets Jesus face to face, and it says that he fell down as if he was dead. These were men who were terrified Not had healthy respect for the fact that they just met God. It wasn't, ah, you're God, I'm not. It was, I am terrified out of my mind. I cannot be in your presence. God, you are incredibly more than I ever thought or imagined. What am I supposed to do with that? You see, I think we get too comfortable with God. God. Uh, We we make God too approachable. Uh, One of the things that I love to talk about is church architecture. I know, geek, whatever. Um, But I I love the idea of what church architecture does for us in our view of God. Uh, You come into Great Oaks and churches like ours, and and God is near. God is approachable. God is, is present in your life. It's like coming into a home, and you're very comfortable with God. Uh, but you go into a, a church like a Catholic church and, and the, the ceiling is vaulted and there, there's incredible paintings and statues and, and, and things that go back for centuries and these icons and you go, wow, God is big. God is beyond my understanding. God is incomprehensible. And I'd love to find a way to, to merge those two together in a single architecture because I think we become too comfortable with God. Uh, write this down. As soon as we define God... He is no longer God. Does that make sense? As soon as we define God, He is no longer God because God is beyond our understanding. God is beyond our definition. We cannot put God in a box and say, this is who God is and this is what God is and this is how God acts. God is God and who are we to say that we understand Him completely? Uh, You see, as soon as we say we understand God, we admit we know nothing about Him. This is the mystery of God. We've somehow lost the idea, uh, the understanding of how great and majestic and holy and set apart and different and beyond imagining that our God is. And we make him comfortable and approachable and safe. And God is not safe. We have this illusion of control in our lives. And we forget that there's a God out there who doesn't care whether we think we're in control or not. Job knew this, Job in 23, uh, verses 13 through 16, uh, referencing, talking about God. He says, but he, God, stands alone, and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. He carries out his decree against me, and many such plans he still has in store. That is why I am terrified before him. When I think of all this, I fear him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Me, We have this illusion of control because we've made God safe and approachable and comfortable. And God is not safe and comfortable and approachable. Uh, We go about our lives worried about what other people think about us. Uh, We go about our lives worried about what other people may say about us or or what they may do to us. And we forget Matthew 10, 28, uh, which says this, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. In other words, man... Don't be afraid of man. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Be afraid of God. We go about our daily lives with little regard to the fact that one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to be judged. Romans 14, 10 through 12. says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him. I'm on the wrong place. That is not the right passage. Let's jump to Hebrews ten, twenty-six to thirty-one. I'll fix that for next service. <laughs> Hebrews ten, twenty-six to thirty-one. Listen to these these words. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay And again, the Lord will will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yeah, I read that last verse before as I've studied the Bible, as I read through it. But in the context of studying this idea of fear of God, that verse 31, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Does that create any tension for anybody other than me? all of this does this confuse you? because it sure does me because the God that I know is is a God of love in fact First John says God is love whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. What are we supposed to do with that? Fear God. God loves us. Perfect love, which we would all say that God is perfect love. Perfect love drives out fear. Do you see the tension here? How do we reconcile this? How do we reconcile the fact that the New Testament says that we are friends with God? that we are are children of God, uh, that the church is the bride of Christ. These are not titles that evoke fear. So what happens that makes us go from living in fear of God to being a child of God, from, from being terrified in the presence of God to being a bride of Christ? What happens that makes that difference? I'll tell you what happens. God reaches down and he lifts us up. Isaiah falls down before God and says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and from an unclean people. And an angel of the Lord takes a coal, places it on, on Isaiah's lips, purifies him in the presence of God, and says, Stand up before your maker. Peter, James, and John, after God speaks and they fall down terrified, and Jesus turns around, lifts, reaches out his hand, lifts them up, and says, Do not be afraid. John in Revelation falls down as if dead before Christ and Christ reaches out his hand and he says, stand up, don't be afraid. You see, when people encounter God, he lifts them up. God reaches out his hand. He offers us a way to come out of the fear. And we know the story of Christ. We know that in one ultimate act of love, God offered all of humanity a way to stand in his presence. We know John three sixteen, but do you know John three seventeen? Uh, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And here's 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We read in Ephesians that the blood of Christ unites us with God. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Write this down. This is the pivotal point for all of what I'm teaching you today. Once we come to the point where we truly fear God, we no longer have to be afraid of God. But once we come to the point where we understand how majestic and incredible and awesome and separate and holy and unique and undefinable and unfathomable that God is, and we bow down in his presence and we say, woe is me, and we fall down, humble before him, terrified in his presence because we know that we're going to be judged, God reaches down his hand and he says, stand up. I gave you my son, Jesus. You no longer have to fear me. You no longer have to be afraid of me. We move from sheer terror of God to living a life that honors and pleases God. A life that shows him the reverential awe and the respect that he deserves, which is what I was taught years ago, but it was an incomplete picture of the fear of God. We can't just jump to the reverential awe unless we understand how majestic our God is. Unless we need to understand why we are reverential in the presence of God. Why we must bow down before him and and humble ourselves. Why he is incredibly more than we could imagine. Until we get to that point, we can't bow down in reverential awe. We can't live in the fear of the Lord. And you see, we move from being afraid of God to being afraid of dishonoring God, which is a big difference. Uh, Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says, Since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Is God a consuming fire in your life? Do you live your life in such a way that every thought, every word, every deed is given to Christ, uh, given to God as an offering? Do you live your life in such a way that it honors the sacrifice that Christ made for your life? That's what it means to live in the fear of the Lord. Uh, Hebrews 12, uh, uh, or Revelation fourteen seven says, he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory. Fear and worship, fear and praise at the same time. Because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 and 13, which is the one I started with this morning. But I didn't give you the full text. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I've been giving you today? fear and worship fear and love fear and respect where are you at today are you living in fear of the lord or are you still in that point where you're terrified of god maybe you didn't know you're supposed to be terrified of god that's the tension that i wrestled with this week really we're supposed to be afraid of god yeah until the point that we accept his blood on the cross Then we move from being afraid of God to fearing God. We move from from being afraid of God to afraid of dishonoring God with our lives. So where are you at today? I want to tell you, God rewrote this message um, for me last night and this morning. I I, I went to bed last night. I had like seven pages. It was very academic. Um, It was very just kind of Bible study. And I went to bed and I, I wasn't settled with it. And I didn't know what to do with it and karen prayed over me and she she said just a really simple prayer you know god give him the words that you want him to say and she fell asleep and i laid there eyes wide open looking at the ceiling going what am i supposed to do with that and god started to form this thought and i got up in the middle of the night and i went down to the laptop and i I wrote it out real quick and and got up this morning and, and and rewrote everything this morning and i don't know why other than to glorify christ you know, I had, had free range this Sunday morning to teach on anything I wanted to talk about. I put it out there to friends, colleagues. I said, what do you, what do you want me to teach about? And, and nothing kind of filtered out of all that except this fear of God. And I was like, really? Thanksgiving weekend? Family? People are traveling into Great Oaks? And you want me to talk about fear of God? We're a church that talks about the love of God. But you can't have true love for God unless you have the fear of God they go hand in hand it's a tension that we have to wrestle with and so this morning the band's going to play Dan Haney and myself are going to be in the prayer room over here and if you have never taken that step to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior we would love to talk to you this morning because you don't need to live in fear of God you don't need to be afraid of God you need to live in awe and appreciation of God and for some of you that's your step here this morning Maybe that's why God had me deliver this this morning because somebody here needs to hear that. Some of you here, you're living your life and, and your faith and church and Christianity and small group and, and all you do, it's, it's a part of your life, but it's not the central part of your life. And maybe God is telling you this morning, you've got to put me first. You've got to understand how passionate I am about you, how jealous I am of you when you devote your time and energy to other things. When you misrepresent my name in this world. God is calling us who know him, who carry his name, to live to a higher standard. And maybe some of you this morning need to repent of the life that you're living. Yeah. For those who know me, who've been here, you guys know this is not my, more, my normal message. But God has just put it on my heart this morning. You're living a life that's not honoring God, and yet you wear the name Christ. We all need to look deep inside and say, is there anywhere that I'm dishonoring God with my life? Pastors, we're not immune to it either. I've been doing this all week. And I know areas where I'm dishonoring God. So my question is, what are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? It starts by bowing down before him. And so we're going to do that right now. I just want to pray for all of us, myself included. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, Go to great